0: All right, all right. Welcome to church. You guys glad to be here today? Yeah. So glad to have you guys here. If we've never met before, my name's Josh and uh, one of the pastors. And just want to thank you guys for being here for Church Outside. Now, one of the things I hate is when people just talk about the weather, you know. Like, let's talk about something of substance, but I feel like I need to talk about the weather. I mean, we, when we said we were going to do Church Outside for September in October, we knew that there was some risk involved in that, and uh, it's just, God's been so good to us, and so, can we just celebrate God for just a second, that's awesome, we're just, uh, it's been great, it's been really good, so we've got two more weeks of church outside, and uh, thank you guys for coming, being a part of it, and uh, I know I have some people watching online as well, and so we're thankful that you guys are able to tune in as well. Hey, one of the things we want to do is we want to be able to help make this just a a good experience for you guys. And so, uh, in order to do that, a couple things to point out. First of all, uh, if you have a phone, make sure you go to your app store, Google Marketplace, whatever that is, and get Charles River Church's app. You just type in the name of the church, and you can get that. If you have the app, go ahead and pull it up. Uh, There are lyrics for all the songs right there. So on the top right of the app, if you just click music, then you can actually see how uh, that prevents us from having to put up a screen with the wind and everything that's kind of risky. Uh, and so you can have the lyrics right there for that and uh, that's there for you. And then also the city of Boston has asked us to uh, have everybody check in just in case we need contact tracing. And so on the left there, top left, is a connection card. Just give us your name and uh, your email, Let us or your phone number, let us know that you are here. Uh, if there's anything else you want to communicate, by all means, please use that. Uh, let us know uh, how we can pray for you, things like that. But that is there. Uh, for you. So we just want to help you with that. Uh, also, a few little details. Uh, we have a restroom back there. So if you see the colorful cross painted on the wall there, that door there, if you go in there on the left, there's uh, restrooms for you. We don't want anybody to have to sit on the ground. So we've got chairs at the back over there under that white scent. And then for kids, we've got bags, uh, kids' activity bags with some stuff for them. And so if you have kids, make sure they uh, they get that. But, hey, before we continue on in worship, I just want to point out two things. First of all, uh, today after the gathering for our young adults, we have a Young Adult Connect. And so, young adults, we'd love to have you uh, just meet up with us over at uh, Time Timeout Market uh, in Fenway neighborhood. It's just like two or three miles uh, east. From here, you can go there, and we're going to meet on the lawn and just grab some food and hang out and get to know each other a little bit better. And so uh, that's for you guys, young adults. You might say, who is a young adult? What's the age limit? There is no age limit. If you feel like you're a young adult, just go. Uh, So, yeah, we'd love to have you be a part of that. And then also, next week, this is exciting, next week is our 10-year anniversary as a new church. Yes, that's exciting. And so we're, we're so excited about that. We're going to celebrate that together. We have some alumni coming in. We're going to have free swag for you guys uh, some surprises along the way and so make a point to be here with us next week it's just going to be a great time together and uh, we're going to celebrate God's faithfulness to us as a church we're going to celebrate life change and so right here next week be praying for the weather It looks so far that it's going to be good but you know how that goes so let's keep praying and uh, we're going to have a sweet time together but so glad you're with us in person so glad that you guys are with us online Uh, let's continue uh, to worship the Lord together You guys can be seated. Thank you guys for, for leading us. We're so uh, so glad that you guys had uh, come out like this in this season. It's very distinct. And I know singing with a mask on and trying to smile at each other. We're just trusting that everybody's smiling underneath uh, these masks. But we're just uh, just excited to be together like this today. Uh, I'm not preaching today. Kevin is preaching. Uh, so you're excited to hear from uh, Pastor Kevin. He's been, you he and I've been joking back and forth. He said, this is the first time in a long time that I've been able to, uh, Preach to real people in person. It's been uh, it's been in front of a camera uh, throughout this COVID season. So excited to hear from him. Uh, but today we get to do one of uh, one of my favorite things we get to do as a church, and that is uh, child dedications. And so just love our child dedication times. One of the distinctives of Charles River Church is that we have lots of children, and so just love that about our church. In fact, kids, hopefully you've got your uh, activity bag there. You open that up and use that during our time together. There's uh, some stuff for you just to uh, learn about our October attribute of God. We're learning that God is eternal, that from everlasting to everlasting, He is God. God is eternal. But uh, Psalm 127.3 says that children are a gift... From the Lord. And so the fact that we have lots of kids at our church uh, tells us that God has been gracious to us and He has gifted us children, but ultimately He's first gifted those children uh, to their parents. And so with whatever God has given us as parents or whatever God has given us as a church, it's our call to steward whatever gift he's given us uh, really well. Now child dedications are not a biblical mandate you don't see them in the scripture as something that the church is supposed to do Uh, but what we do see in the scriptures we see things like when hannah brings uh young samuel to the temple and, and dedicates him uh to the lord gives him over to the lord or we even see mary and joseph uh bringing uh baby jesus to uh the temple just to uh uh, present him and say he is he is the Lord. So he's been entrusted into our care for this season and so uh, we get to uh, dedicate uh, these children to the Lord these parents are saying it's our intention uh, to raise our kids to know and love and serve the Lord and so I'm going to invite the parents who are participating in the dedication just to come up here to uh, my left your right over here and uh, we will do our best uh, this is our first child dedication since COVID so we're going to do our best to uh, stay somewhat socially distant. so come on up here everybody uh, so, hey, you guys can come up, they loose and all right, beautiful children, love these kiddos, it's such a gift. Again, we have uh, other kids who are supposed to have been dedicated with us today, but you know, with the COVID regulations, if there's a sniffle nose or something like that, uh, they can't come, and so we'll get them again uh, in the spring. But i uh, just so glad we can can do this uh, together. Children are a gift. Every good and perfect gift, the Bible says, comes from the Lord. So I know uh, these families have uh, family also watching along online, so we're glad that you guys are tuning in with us. But you come on up here, and uh, you can squeeze behind me and just come all the way over here, guys. And Michelle and Jake, you guys can keep coming up so everybody can see you. And if family's watching online, they can they can see you as well. One of the things uh, we ask the families to do is to just choose a, a passage of scripture that's meaningful to them and to their parenting. And so you'll hear from each of these, these families uh, just a scripture uh, that they read that is saying, hey, we as a family are looking to the Lord to guide us and also saying that uh, it's our intention uh, to raise our kids to uh, believe uh, who the scriptures say that God is and to follow him. And so uh, what a beautiful uh, gesture these guys are doing today. So uh, we're going to start off with uh elise noemi Delu, little elise here i'm gonna have rachel wipe off this microphone and uh jake's gonna read their family scripture all
1: right for elise we picked psalm eight one and two uh it says "O lord our our lord how majestic is your name in all the earth you have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger.
0: That's Elise Noemi Deleu. Beautiful. (laughs) And then over here, we have Brian Daniel Scannell Landon. So if you guys want to come up here just to make sure you're in the camera. And uh, who's going to read our scripture for us? you going to read the scripture? Yeah. All right. You're going to read it in English or in Spanish? In English. English, and then Mama can read it in Spanish. Yeah. How about it?
2: Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? If you then, you though you are evil, know, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how, mo- how more will your Father in heaven guess who asked for him so to everything do to, to what do you have to do to others. To others. Yes, yeah do, to do to others what you would have them to do for you for the sons of law and the prophets yeah Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old and he will not depart from it. Can so. you hear him? Mm-hmm. Sorry. Let the hands
0: walk.
2: Ah, I did miss Spanish. Acaso alguno de ustedes sería capaz de. Sorry. She's running and ¿Acaso alguno de ustedes sería capaz de darle a su hijo una piedra cuando le pide pan? ¿O darle una culebra cuando le pide pescado? Pues si ustedes que son malos saben dar cosas buenas a sus hijos, ¿cuánto más su padre que está en el cielo dará cosas buenas a quienes se las pidan? Así pues, hagan ustedes con los demás como quieran que los demás hagan con ustedes, porque en eso se resume la ley de los profetas. Proverbio 22.6. No
0: Thank you. This is, again, Brian Daniel Skinel Rendon. So beautiful. He wanted to grab that scripture. He's already hungry for the word, right? <laughs> beautiful. This family has joined us uh, since the COVID season, so we're just so glad that you guys are with us, and praise God. Praise God. And then over here, you want to step just to make sure you guys are in the, the camera. Uh, This is Skylar K. Corrigan, and uh, you guys were away during COVID for six months, but you're back, and uh, so excited to have uh, Skylar uh, dedicated. Um, So from Jeremiah
3: 29, um, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future
0: and a hope. Beautiful. Well, what a beautiful testimony that their heart is to uh, have their kids to know and follow and serve the Lord. And so that's their intention as they steward God's good gift to them. But then it's us as a church. uh, It's our our intention that we're saying, hey, we're with you in this. Uh, As we've been looking through uh, the early parts of the book of Acts in our current sermon series, in Acts chapter three, as it describes the early church, it says that they had all things in common. And so, uh, they have all things in common it means we even say hey we'll take on the responsibility to help you as possible uh to raise your kids to know and love and serve the lord and so uh we're with you in this guys and we just uh, we love you and uh we're just so uh so excited to celebrate your your gift of a child uh along with you so here's what i'm asking you to do if you feel comfortable and for family at home as well if you feel comfortable if you just want to stretch out your hand towards these children as we just pray god's blessing over them and just commit them to the lord and commit these families to the lord uh we're going to pray together let's pray our father in heaven we are so so thankful for each of these children lord we thank you so much for for Brian and for Elise and for Skylar and for their parents who want to bring their kids up to know and love and serve you. And God, we pray that you would guide them Lord. that as the scripture said, you, you would make straight their paths that they put one foot in front of the other uh, in this challenging task of parenting. Uh, Lord, we ask that, that they would just hear from you and know how to, how to walk and to, to, to live a life that honors you and to, to raise kids to know you and, and serve you. We pray that these kids uh, would know Jesus uh, in light of their parents, not in spite of their parents. And so we just commit them into your hands. And God, I pray that you would help us as a church to, to support them where possible and help them to, to speak up and to share when they need help. Lord, thank you that we have uh, your spirit inside of us to guide us and to direct us in the challenging tasks that we have. Lord, thank you that you have empowered us and you promised to be with us, to never leave us or forsake us. And so we pray that for each of these families. God, we pray your blessing on them as they commit their children to you. These children are yours. Give them to you. We entrust them into your care. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Show them some love.
3: masks, I have, this is all new to me, I have to take this off and put it on and take it off and put it on, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Guys, I come to you with good news, but first let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for the beautiful uh, day that you've given to us, and thank you that it pales in comparison to your beauty. God, help us to slow right now and soften our hearts to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I am Kevin. I'm the discipleship pastor here, and this is my cardigan, and it seemed like a really good idea before I walked out of the house, and now I'm very hot. So let's get on with it. Guys, I have a hard time with guarantees. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time with guarantees. Like, anytime I hear a guarantee on the radio or the television or somebody makes a guarantee to me, uh, immediately my skeptical hat goes on because... The the reality is you can guarantee something to me, but there are so many variables that you don't have control over that I don't know if I believe you. Like, Unless you have all the control over all the variables, how can you actually make a guarantee? Any of you guys remember Rex Ryan? Rex Ryan was the the coach of the New York Jets uh, back a a number of years ago, And, and Rex Ryan did something kind of amazing. Rex Ryan guaranteed that the New York Jets would win the Super Bowl. And he did that four times. He did it in 2009, 2010, 2011, and 2015. And in 2009, the Steelers won the Super Bowl. In 2010, it was the Saints who won the Super Bowl. In 2011, it was the Packers who won the Super Bowl. And in 2015, it was your New England Patriots who won the Super That's right. It was your New England Patriots who won the Super Bowl. So really, you can make a guarantee, but, but when I hear guarantee, what I'm really hearing is, is out of your mouth is wishful thinking. Like you're hoping for something. You're, you're, you can try really hard to make it happen, but, but it's wishful thinking. It's not a guarantee. See the thing, like for every Babe Ruth who actually calls a shot and for every Joe Namath who guarantees a, 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 a Super Bowl and, and delivers on it, there are 100,000 Rex Ryans who are making guarantees that are actually just wishful thinking. They can't deliver on their promises. Well, the thing with guarantees, is, like, you might actually be right. You might actually be right, but it's probably better, unless you do have control over every variable of the situation, it's probably better uh, to just work really hard and not to actually guarantee something. Well, we're going to continue on in our Faith Outside series this morning with a sermon called On the Road, and I'm really excited about it. But before we get to, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, towards the end of Acts chapter 8. Before I get there, I want to I start with one night in the middle of Jesus's ministry where he's gathered around with his 12 apostles and and Peter has just made the great confession. Peter has just made the great confession that Jesus, you are the son of God. You are the long awaited Messiah. You are the savior of the world. And Jesus affirms him. And then he says these words. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, when Jesus says that, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not, shall not prevail against it, is that wishful thinking? No. Jesus is the God man. He is God in flesh. He's the one who does have control over every single one of the variables. You can actually take that guarantee to the bank. It's not wishful thinking. He is guaranteed he is going to build his church and the gates of hell don't stand a chance. So after that night, Jesus goes on and he is crucified and he is in control of that variable and then he is buried and he is in complete control of that variable and then he is resurrected from the dead seriously like in history alive again and he is in control of that variable and then for 40 days he's with his apostles and he's in control of all of it. And then you get to Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where Jesus is about to ascend back to the Father, where he is still in control of all the variables right now. And he says, "But once you receive, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth." So Jesus tells this church, Jesus tells this small band of his followers, here's what's going to happen. I'm going back to my father. You are going to be my witnesses, first in Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. That's like it starts local. That's like Boston to New England to the ends of the earth, to, to New York and then Pennsylvania and then the ends of the earth. Jesus says, the gates of hell in Jerusalem will not prevail against you. I will build my church. The gates of hell in Judea and Samaria will not prevail against you. I will build my church. The gates of hell in Boston will not prevail against you. I will build my church. And as we've been reading, as we've been going through through these sermons, and you get to Acts chapter 2, there are like 120 of them in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit falls, and they go from inside, that faith inside, and they bring it Outside, and you have like 3,000 people brought into God's family. You have the gates of hell starting to fall in Jerusalem. 3,000 coming to faith. Where? In Jerusalem. Then you have Acts 3 and 4, which we talked about, and you have the, the, the 3,000. You have the, the church gathered there in, at Solomon's porch. And, and they preach, and, and like 10,000. This thing's grown to like 10,000. Where? In Jerusalem. And then you get to Acts chapter 6, verse 7. And you have this quick summary of what's been going on. It says uh, how Jesus has been building his church. It says, And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. Where? In Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The gates of hell in Jerusalem are falling during the book of Acts. Then you get to Acts chapter 7. And instead of multiplying, the, the church actually decreases by one uh, when the, the first Christian martyr, Stephen, is killed and stoned to death for proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where does that happen? In Jerusalem. 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 So we're seven chapters into this book, and we're still in Jerusalem. Now the gates of hell are falling in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And that's great if you're in Jerusalem. But what about Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth? Jesus promised to build his church there also. Well, in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it says this. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church where? In Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. This is called foreshadowing. We know what's going to happen next. But question, what happens when the church gets scattered into Judea and Samaria? What's going to happen when, when God forces a bunch of Christians to leave Jerusalem and go into Judea and Samaria? You know the answer. The answer is they're going to talk about Jesus, and the gates of hell are about to fall in Judea and Samaria. They can't withstand the church. They can't withstand it. Now in four it says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Of course they did. Of course they did. It's in their nature. It's in our nature. As Christians, we can't help but talk about Jesus. Like as a guitar player, as somebody who plays guitar, I walk into a room and there's a guitar in there. I can sense it before my eyes even see it. Like I know, like I walk in, I'm like, there's a guitar in here. And you better believe, like the longer I stay in the room, the the odds of me going and touching that guitar grow drastically. And and depending on how long I'm in that room, like I'm going to play that guitar at some point. That guitar is going to be in my hands. It's in my nature. I love. I love guitar. It's in my nature. I have to. I have to touch it. Well, as a Christian, as a Christian, it's in your nature. When a Christian goes into a new setting, he or she is going to talk about Jesus. You go into a new setting. You're be at your job or or your school or your family or, or a new city, a new neighborhood, or, or even God help us, social media. You put us on to into a new setting. Given enough enough time, Jesus is going to shine forth. At some point, he's going to come out. And and if he doesn't, then something has gone wrong there. What I don't want you to hear me say is this, that that every encounter that you have with every stranger on the street needs to be one of those, hey, if you die right now, do you know where you're going to end up? Like, first of all, that kind of presents Jesus just as kind of this death insurance. Like, you want to go to heaven, don't you? Well, then you just got to pray this prayer and then you'll go to heaven. No, Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He is the treasure above every other treasure. He is the one that has saved us and redeemed us and given us life eternal. So he's more than just death insurance. So don't hear me say that you just need to be walking up to strangers saying, hey, do you know where you're going to go if you die? First of all, if somebody walks up to me and says, do you know where you're going to go when you die? I'm like, excuse me, but do you have a knife?" Um, <laughs> Give me give me a few minutes, um, but he's more than just debt insurance. But more often than you're interacting in those conversations. Um, we should be looking for inroads. We should be praying for inroads. We should be praying that the Holy Spirit would use us to be able to speak up and, and talk about the thing, the one. Not like if God throws you. And it's just like, oh, it would be so easy to, to walk into this situation, right? Shrink back from it. Repent, get up, pray, and do it again. See, I was a young Christian
1: in a job where nobody there knew that I
3: was a Christian, and I felt like a rock in a hard place. And, like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to break into that conversation. I didn't know just pray. pray that God would open up those doors and pray that you'll have the courage to walk into it. See, that inside faith that you develop becomes an outside faith. So I'm just going to leave that uh, between you and the Holy Spirit and your connection group. But at some point, Jesus is going to have to shine forth if you're a Christian. He's gonna, and, and he's going to use you. it's the most beautiful thing because Jesus is the one who is building his church. He's the one who's building his church. But in an amazing way, he is using his church to build his church. Like When you build a house, you don't use a house to build a house. But the church isn't a structure. We we know that. Above most people, guys, we know that. Like, you know that. We're a family. We're a family that God has redeemed and offered. And we are a family that doesn't want to be selfish and keep this to ourselves. We are a family that is constantly on the lookout for those who are looking to be adopted into the family. So that we can spread the, the peace and the mercy and the reconciliation and the Jesus and the hope that is Jesus Christ to other people. So that they can go and spread it to other people. Because this thing is going global. It already has and it continues to go. See in the early in the early chapter of uh, Acts, as we've looked at, it goes from 12 people to Acts chapter one you 120. After chapter two, now you got three. Acts four, you got 10. But after God forces the church out of Jerusalem, you don't get numbers anymore. It just multiplies too quickly. You can't keep track of it, and that's where God works. That's the beauty of it. You can't keep track changed you can't you can't keep track of it because it's just going so far there's no souls that are being redeemed we lose the numbers because God is going to accomplish his purpose and back itself. and he might and has used the tool of persecution and pain occasionally in order to accomplish his mission of spreading this kingdom because as we just sang, more than all comfort, Jesus is better. His kingdom, His kingdom is better. We know it. Make my heart believe. More than all comfort, Jesus is better. Guys, if we can embrace that, church, if we can embrace that, there is no telling what you do through us. The gates of hell here in Boston don't stand a chance. So you have a bunch of people dispersed all throughout the world day in Samaria. But Acts chapter 8 kind of focuses in on this one guy in particular, and his name is Philip. And he's Philip the Apostle, because it's a little while, while, like the the Apostles actually um, remained in Jerusalem, whereas you get 10,000 other Christians just kind of wandering around, talking about Jesus, doing their work, learning to live, dealing with persecution. So it's not Philip the Apostle. But... It might be Philip, the one of the, the, the first deacons who was appointed uh, in that church of Jerusalem. But he had the privilege of sharing the news of Jesus in Samaria and watching the gates start to fall. See, quick background, very quick background, but the Samaritans and the Jews did not get along. They had never, they hadn't gotten along. And so... Philip, while he was raised in that culture, and, and probably had a deep-seated like distaste for Samaritans, now he's in that situation. But under the example of his Lord Jesus, who did interact with Samaritans, who did treat them kindly, and who even used a Samaritan as the hero in one of his parables, under Jesus' under Jesus's example, Philip walks out, and he listens, and he obeys, and, and he, he follows Jesus' example and he interacts and, and he shares Jesus with the Samaritans the preaching of church starts to grow and those gates start to fall why? because Jesus guaranteed that it was going to happen Jesus guaranteed that it wasn't just going to stay in Jerusalem it was going to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth why? because Philip was obedient and he listened to the spirit and he walked out in faith and did what Jesus asked him to do so not only did Philip have the privilege of preaching the gospel in Samaria and watching those gates fall in Samaria, he follows the, the Holy Spirit's prompting. And we'll read together in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. If you have your Bible or your church app or, or, uh, or even just Google, I'm going to be reading in the English Standard Version or ESV. But Philip had the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus and send it with somebody. To the ends of the earth. we read together Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says, Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading, the prophet Isaiah we'll stop right there so Philip going about his business looking for opportunities to bring Jesus to anybody and anybody under the prompting of an angel walks along the road way out of his way but he trusts and he goes and he obeys now a little bit of background on this Ethiopian eunuch first thing that might really surprise you is that uh, he wasn't from Ethiopia um, or at least not the Ethiopia that we know uh, he was from probably from the kingdom of Cush The uh, kingdom just south of modern-day uh, Egypt In what would be northern Sudan today So you got Egypt and then Sudan and then and then Ethiopia So he was probably from a little bit n- more north than what we think of as Ethiopia And we know that because it says that he was a, a high-ranking court official uh, In for, for Candace the queen of the Ethiopians And Candace was actually not her name. It was her title just like Pharaoh was the title for, for the ruler of Egypt or Caesar was the title of the ruler of Rome, Candace was the title of the ruler of the Ethiopians or the Cushites. Or the so we know that that's, that's where he was from. And, and we know that he was probably a God-fearer at the very least. Not a Jew, but a God-fearer who had come to Jerusalem to worship now, we don't know exactly why he or how he found out about the God of Israel. Um, it could have been. There was that uh, Zipporah was Moses' wife, and she was also from Cush. So it could have been a connection in that way. Just don't know. But one way or another, he had found out about the God of Israel and went to Israel, uh, went to Jerusalem to worship that God. And what he would have likely experienced when he got there was what Pastor Josh talked about last week he wouldn't have been able to, to walk into the hotbed, the, the, the real presence within the temple of where God was seated. He could go as far as the gate of the Gentiles because he had two strikes against him. As a, as a non-Jew and as a eunuch, he was not allowed into the inner courts of the temple. But as he was, as he was walking around the city, I do wonder if, if he had heard tell, as people were talking about this promise made in the book of Isaiah two outsiders to bring them in. And specifically, two eunuchs to bring them in. Maybe he had heard something about that promise, so he went and he purchased the scroll of Isaiah. Because in Isaiah chapter 56, God does make a promise to outsiders that you will be brought in. And, and specifically, two eunuchs. Though you can't have descendants of your own, I'm going to make your descendants. I'm going to give you spiritual descendants more than you can even count. This beautiful, gracious promise that God made. So he goes and he finds out, and and I don't know what kind of a time he had in Jerusalem, but he grabs that scroll of Isaiah and he starts heading back to Cush. And little does he know, as this is all going, he's just going about his life, and Philip's just going about his life. Little do they know that within a week or two, God has a plan to bring them together. So we'll keep reading in Acts chapter 8, verse 29, as, as God just brings these two together at just the right time. 829, it says, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. First of all, uh, reading in your mind, you guys are all reading in your mind right now. It's a fairly modern thing. Typically, throughout history, people would read and mumble to themselves or read out loud. That was just kind of how it was. So Philip walking alongside hears the scroll of Isaiah being read out loud. So he goes over and he asked, Do you understand what you're reading? It's bold. Like, he's prompted by God. He's prompted by a spirit, the, the, the Spirit of God, and he, he walks over to the chariot. He hears this, and rather than being like, I shouldn't bother this guy, he steps in. He says, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, the, the eunuch said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. And here's where God tosses that alley This is like that Pippin to Jordan, like alley Isaiah 53, 7 and 8 is what the eunuch happened to be reading. Just the right time. says, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then, pay attention to this right here. Then Philip opened his mouth. Sometimes we just need to open our mouth, guys. Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. The whole Bible is about Jesus. There is not a scripture in the Old Testament that you can't link in some way, shape, or form to Jesus. But some are more obvious than others. And Isaiah 53 is one of those ones that is just obvious. But Philip was bold. He walked up. He hears him speaking, and he opens his mouth and begins to tell him. And what was the eunuch's response? As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Hooray for new life. That's not in the Bible. And when they came up out of the water... The spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and, they, and, and went on his way rejoicing. Went on his way rejoicing. The eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Why? Because he has just found inclusion. Because Philip took his faith outside. He stepped out in boldness into an uncertain situation, believing Jesus' guarantee that he was going to build his church and said, all right, I'm here. I'll do whatever you say. Uh, Let's go. Because another outsider had been brought inside. Because the gates of hell in his heart had been trampled and the kingdom entered. See, the spirit guided Philip to just the right place at just the right time. When the eunuch was reading just the right passage of scripture and Philip was able to, to share the hope of Jesus Christ. Jesus made a guarantee, and he has control over all of the little variables, those things that you don't think are important, those, those little passing activities, those little passing whatever. Jesus has control over all the variables. And the eunuch was so struck with the message that Philip brought that he asked to be baptized right there on the spot. Jesus is building his kingdom it has left Jerusalem. It is now in Judea and Samaria, and a man from Cush, a eunuch, is bringing the good news to Cush. Look out! And a eunuch is on its way with good. With on, is on his way with good news. So the eunuch who wasn't even allowed to enter the temple, who wasn't even allowed to enter into God's presence in the temple now has God's presence inside of him and he goes to bring this same good news to the ends of the earth. See, when faith is lived outside, outsiders are brought in. When faith is lived outside, outsiders are brought in. This is the beautiful thing. God is building his church. Jesus is building his church, and he's using us to do it. So what is the good news that Philip shared with that Ethiopian? Well, the eunuch was reading the middle of Isaiah 53. He stopped reading in the, the middle of uh, verse 8. But guess what? We also have the scroll of Isaiah. So let's read a little bit around Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. We'll, we'll read a couple of uh, a couple of verses before that and a couple of verses afterwards. Because We have that privilege right on our phones. Isaiah 53, I'll I'll read 4 through 6, and then I'll read 9 and 10. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 9 and 10. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Though he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. So you have this prophecy written 700 years before Mary ever gets pregnant with Jesus. And in the prophecy, you have this one who comes, who is spotless, who is sinless, who who carries our sins, who carries our griefs, who is stricken for us. And to the point of death, he's pierced for our transgressions. And he dies. And then somehow he's alive again. I wonder what Philip taught to the Ethiopian about Jesus. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came in grace, in mercy, and he took your sins and my sins upon himself. Though he never sinned, he never thought a sinful thought, he never did a sinful action, but he took all of your sin, he took all of my sin upon himself, and he transfers to us his righteousness so that we then get to walk free and be be allowed into God's presence to have life in Jesus' name, that we get to have him, that we get to walk in new life, in freedom, sins forgiven, knowing full well that you're going to continue to sin. He's taken all of those future sins so that he guarantees that forever you will be with him. Is that something that you know? Is that something that you've heard? Is that something that you've never heard? I had gone 20 or so years without ever hearing that message. And so, if you've never heard that before, I am begging you right now, consider it. It is not about how much good you can do. It is not about how much bad you have done. No matter who you are, Jesus is willing to forgive every single one of your sins and he's already paid for it trust him but christians church i want to leave you with a couple of questions as we wrap up a couple of quick questions first jesus is bringing his his church he's he's spreading his kingdom he's going to build his church to the ends of the earth we're here in boston two thousand years later we are the ends of the earth but there's still more places And there's still more places right here in Boston. So where do you right now see the gates of hell standing around you? Where do you see opportunities for the gates of hell to be knocked down? Where do you see a need for the kingdom of God to invade? Where do you see a need for the church to enter in? Where do you see the gates of hell standing around you right now? Two simple questions that I want you to wrestle with all week. First one. Do you want to see those gates fall? Do you want to see those gates fall? Seriously. Do you want to see Jesus build his church? Second question. Do you believe that God could actually use you to begin to knock down those gates? Do you actually believe that? There was a time probably when you believe that but I wonder if you still do do you believe that God could use you to knock down those gates that you see around you Jesus guaranteed that he would build his church do you believe him help my heart believe he used Philip he used a eunuch he used my father-in-law who happens to be sitting right there to share it with me why not you Why not you? Let's pray. God, you are good. You are kind. You are gracious. You are glorious. You are wonderful. God, help our unbelief. We confess that we are weak. We don't know. We can't do. But through you, we can. And God, throughout throughout the book of Acts, the apostles continue to come together and and the church continues to gather together and their number one prayer is for boldness. God, make us bold. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your truth. Make us willing to speak. Show us those opportunities that we could walk in. God, show us. Give us your eyes to see where those gates are standing and help us to believe that you are going to continue to build your church. Forgive us for our lack of faith. God, thank you for your faithfulness that even when we are faithless, you remain faithful. God, wherever this week takes us, please remain on the forefront of our minds and help us to believe that you want to use us to continue to build your church. We give you all praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name.